First Person is produced in cooperation with the Far East Broadcasting Company, who rejoice in the stories of changed lives through the power of Jesus Christ. Learn more at febc.org. My most famous proverb is where two or three of the Lord's people are gathered together, sooner or later, there's a mess. And then the Lord in His mercy gave me this term, messiology, which is to show how He can so often work in messy situations. just heard the voice of George Verwer, who died recently on April 14th, 2023. Coming up now on First Person, we're going back to 2017 for a conversation with the founder of Operation Mobilization, who tells his story in his own words. Welcome to First Person. I'm Wayne Shepherd. George Verwer was one of the most gospel-passionate followers of Christ known in the church. He inspired hundreds of thousands of Christians, many of them young people, to serve as witnesses and missionaries all over the world. As the founder of Operation Mobilization, he was deeply loved, and his tales of traveling the world on faith to proclaim Jesus Christ are legendary. In 2017, on one of George Verwer's many trips to Chicago to speak at both Wheaton College and Moody Bible Institute, I sat down with him just before a morning chapel service at Wheaton. He had just released a book titled Messiology, showing how the Lord can work through us even in the messy parts of life. He was 79 years old at that time and still working and traveling the world. I began by asking him what kept him going. The fact that I know the Lord personally and experienced communion with Him and the reality of his Holy Spirit, even though for me to this day, there's a mystery factor in all that. Mm-hmm. But then on the human level, I think it's uh, the balance between things that drain you and things that refuel you. And I refuel very quickly. I've never had a traditional vacation because I try to bring a vacation sector into every day. Um, music, a walk along a scenic place, um, a latte at Starbucks, get criticized for that now because it costs so much. Um, so there's just a few of the things. And, of course, good health, which is a gift from yeah, the Lord. it is a gift. And I think a sense of humor, which uh, is one of the things that's used in my ministry, and I was thinking that's just a gift from the Lord as well. I never planned, like, to be humorous. It just sort of comes. And a lot of my ministry is not that planned. It's, uh, it's a combination of things, so. Mm. It's a mystery, a gift from the Lord. And I have many friends who were in school with you at Moody Bible Institute, and they've told me about that verwer fervor at the time. But did it go back prior to Moody? When when did you come to know the Lord? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It went back before I got to Moody because really the crisis was a Billy Graham meeting in New York City. I wasn't from a Christian family. We had Christian values in a small way. And I had good parents, if you measure parents on a human level. But Jesus was not in the equation, and it all changed through the prayers of a woman who heard about me. I'd broken into a house. The police had caught me. I wasn't stealing, but they had other ideas, and people were talking about me, so she put my name on her, what I call, Holy Ghost hit list and prayed not only that I'd become a Christian, but she prayed I'd become a missionary, and she never never even spoke to me about it, and sent me a gospel of John through the post. That was a big factor. I was a reader. I was starting into a mild form of porno at that time. And then Billy Graham came for a one-night meeting with Jack Wurtston, converted band leader, word of life guy. Mm-hmm. And that night in Madison Square Garden really set the fire. And I can say honestly, 
the fire has always been there. In the first year or two, uh, there was a, you know, a lot of struggles. I was a baby Christian. I don't think the fire, in terms of in-depth spiritual reality, was there, but the beginnings of it were there. And um, You knew a change had happened in your yeah, life. Yeah, and I had also, after a few weeks, reading a booklet, literature and radio ministry played a big role in my life. Donald Gray Barnhouse on the radio. Mm-hmm. And then I was one of the first ones to get ministry on records. In fact, I sold them door-to-door here in Wheaton, but then my friend, I let him do it instead. Audio Bible study was called. That's a long time ago. The first ministry ever to put on phonograph records. Which were those uh, these big-looking CDs of their day, right? <laughs> yeah. But vinyl, we call them now, are oh, becoming yeah. popular it's again. It's becoming very popular. It's outselling CDs, I hear, I in many places. <laughs> so what goes around comes around, huh? <laughs> Well, I knew about uh, Billy Graham's influence on you. I did not know about Jack Wurtzen, though. He sponsored that rally, and then later I also heard him preach, especially dealing with lust, which was my one of my big struggles. So that was all a combination there in New York mm-hmm. City. Two years later, when Billy came for the big campaign, I was then hiring buses from my church parking lot and started nights of prayer in my hometown. That was that a was radical the beginning. change in your life, then. Yeah, that was the beginning of this whole prayer movement, which uh, which has been a vital part of our own movement, the prayer nights all over the world, prayer days. And that continues to this day. We're celebrating our 60th year since three of us went to Mexico. Mm. And that was from uh, Maryville College. Because of Mexico, because of this man I met at Maryville, Dale Rotan, who became like a mentor and friend. Yeah, I've met I him left. here in town. Yeah, mm-hmm. well, he graduated from Wheaton. He went to Wheaton, but he influenced me but I chose Moody because I wanted to be in the city. I didn't want to be in the suburbs like Maryville College because my passion wasn't firstly study, actually. It was evangelism. Hmm. When did the vision for OM come into being? It really evolved. And when I went to Mexico the second summer, and that was from Moody, I had to get new people. Dale was going to join Whitcliffe. I didn't expect to have much contact with him. And that famous story in our history, I came to Wheaton, and challenged Dale to forget the Wycliffe thing. They're dealing with small numbers and to go to Turkey where there were 30 or 40 million, 70 million now. Hmm. But our work was called Send the Light, and it was only through my fiasco uh, in Russia being arrested by the KGB in my plan to smuggle and distribute literature in the Soviet Union, I sent Dale to the Middle East. Let me just back up and say the original vision only included those countries, Uh not Western Europe. There was no ship, just... Afghanistan, Iraq, Muslim countries. Yeah, but it was through the that, 1040 window before we knew it as yeah, the 1040 exactly. window, right? But through that failure, I spent a day of prayer in prayer in Austria, and that's when God gave the name Operation Mobilization. And the vision, mobilize Europeans and let them, they can drive to these countries. I was thinking we had airfares to get to Afghanistan, and pretty soon that was happening. The next summer, 200 joined. The next summer, 2,000. And since then, and this is not an exaggeration, 200,000 have served with, with OM. Well, of course. One woman prayed. Of course, Logos Hope is a part of that as well, an important part of that today. Yeah. That came a little later. After driving to India in those vehicles and always looking at the water, taking vehicles across the English Channel, I first went to Europe on the Queen Elizabeth. This vision came to me that, because we had a couple hundred vehicles by then, crisscrossing the whole Middle East all the way to India, I thought we need at least one ship and started the ship ministry in 1970, 71. 
and we've had four ships since then, and 45 million have been up the gangway, and at least mm -hmm. 100 million have been given the gospel yeah, through I, the ship I ministry. urge our listeners to learn more about what's going on with Operation Mobilization. Why Europe? Why did you focus on drawing from Europe? Well, I think it was just the God thing. I was very aware that there were, especially going to Moody, and I, that there were many American mission agencies. This is after the war. There was also quite a bit of paternalism in Europe. And as I studied Europe and realized they had a lot of good churches in Britain, and surely they must be a vital part of this vision for the Muslim countries in the Middle East. Just, again, it evolved in my thinking, also seeing a English youth group in Vienna. I was giving out tracts. took so all day to give out a few thousand tracts. I thought if I could get that youth group to help, well, we could do 10 times as much. That was the seed of this uh, word mobilization that had never been used other than a military term until God gave that to me that, that day in that prayer meeting. It's quite amazing, and it's just the way God works, which we'll never fully understand until we're in heaven. Yeah, well, after World War II, of course, the mission thrust was coming in most people's eye, mind's eye from, from America, from North America, and here you're, you're challenging Europe to, uh, to mobilize. Yeah, which was actually a mistake in our American thinking, and that God really used that because my research when I was now living in Europe realized just how many thousands of missionaries they had sent out through the years, especially Britain. Mm -hmm. And surely God wants that to continue. Mm -hmm. Naturally, the American thing will fit into it as well. But that was also the seed of us eventually going very global and realizing we need missionaries from everywhere to go to these Muslim All cultures, countries, Latin America, yeah, yeah. Africa, because these unreached nations uh, represent just so many people. Uh, and you know it's it's been uphill we can't pretend you know pretend it's all been easy we after 15 years we lost that first ship on some rocks in the beagle channel it's still sitting on the rock a big tourist attraction there for taking pictures uphill battle but god gave the grace to keep climbing keep yeah. climbing yeah when you fall down you get up yeah what were one or two of the other major challenges you faced along the way well people killed in road accidents four at one time coming back from india and I was the first person to the scene of the accident. Mm -hmm. But before that, the two men I turned the whole work over to in Great Britain, when I went to India, they were killed in a motor accident 50 years ago this past December. Those were huge shocks uh, for me. You feel great responsibility. Yeah, and um, I'm an emotional person. I'm a relational person. So people who are close friends, you know, 26 years of age suddenly... They're gone. Uh, one of my coworkers actually had a bit of a breakdown through that uh, mm. crisis. I think the bigger heartbreaks is when people uh, are going on for Jesus and then they t they turn back. They I, stumble or yeah, or do a one eighty. Yeah, huh? and you can't be involved in evangelism without being having your heart broken. In fact, C.S. Lewis says you pretty well can't love anything, even a pet, without sooner or later having your heart broken. Mm. So has your heart been broken? Yeah, a few thousand times, but I'm in a recovery program from the Lord. <laughs> yeah, right now my best friend is uh, Wheaton graduate is is very ill, very ill. I visited him in hospital, and I just talked to his niece on the phone literally this morning. So uh, I believe with all my heart, we have to learn how to embrace sadness. And again, a great Christian writer. Uh, helped me in his writings to learn how to 
embrace sadness even as part of our humanness as part of life where they're always rather than always just seeing it as like the enemy there's more to this conversation with the founder of operation mobilization george verwer coming up in just a moment Here's Ed Cannon on the vision for FEBC's weekly podcast. The primary purpose of Until All Have Heard, of course, is to share the experience that FEBC has because we have staff on the ground in so many oppressive places. But in addition to that, we're trying to speak to you in a way that only the kind of testimonies you'll hear from around the globe can do. Discover how the gospel is making a difference around the world. Search for Until All Have Heard on your favorite podcast platform or hear it online at febc.org. My guest is the founder of Operation Mobilization, George Verwer. There is a new DVD out uh, called George is Real that tells your life story in far greater detail than we can talk about here in a few minutes. I'm excited about that. Yeah, the Christian Television Association of Great Britain, where our work is much more known than the States, they wanted to do this. Initially, I wasn't uh, very keen. I threw up a few obstacles, like I'm not putting any money into it, (laughs) and uh, that they just have to follow me around. I wouldn't follow a script. They just have to follow me and then try to put it together. And we did 18 hours of filming. Some of it where you used to work. Yes, MBI Radio. Bible Institute, right. And then when they put it all together... Uh, that ended up one of the hubs. Huh. So the early in the film, you see Moody and you see me yeah. uh, on, in the station there, and then you start jumping around the world. Well, I admit I haven't seen the whole thing yet. I will watch it now that you've given me a copy here to watch, but um, I did watch the trailer, and I noticed the uh, studios in Chicago yeah. were prominently on display there. So, And this is available. We will have information about this on our website. Yeah, but also if people email me, I'd be thrilled to send it to them as as a gift, senior citizen gift. Oh, well, that's very generous. And I send it together with my new book, which Moody Press published called Messiology. Well, that's very generous. We're giving all the students uh, a copy here at Wheaton, and Moody Press is giving them a free copy when I speak to the Moody students on Friday. It must be quite a So generosity is sort of (laughs) exploding. It's in the air, isn't it? (laughs) We'll put that uh, information at the website, firstpersoninterview.com, here um, at the conclusion of our program today. Okay, um, messiology. You're at the Wheaton at Wheaton College now. We're on campus right now, and you're about to speak to uh, students in chapel once again yeah. today. And the message is based on messiology. This book. Well, that's one of the themes. Yeah, no, they this different messages each day. I'm privileged to have three days. This is their main missions conference. Most of the students are there. It's it's part of their curriculum, hmm. which is really a testimony in these days. That encourages you. So to, uh, I got an audience of 2,400 every morning, and the first morning the response was huge. We're giving them all free books and DVDs. So I'm looking forward to the next uh, two mornings. I've been taking this kind of meetings now for 57 years, and the miracle is I'm still motivated and passionate about it, and I've talked to many students also individually. Messiology is my own word I invented based on my own proverb. I'm very much into the book of Proverbs. I talk about that in the book. Uh, So now I'm writing my own. They won't get in the Bible. I don't know how to even apply for that. But uh, my most famous proverb is where two or three of the Lord's people are gathered together. Sooner or later, there's a mess. (laughs) Well, I've I've been spreading that for a couple of decades. And then the Lord in his mercy gave me this term, messiology, which is to show how he can so often work in messy situations. So it's not excusing the mess. And as an executive of leader of OM, 46 years. Yeah, it's of course, not your goal to create a mess, is constantly it? Constantly uh, trying to solve the messes and avoid them. 
But it's just to look at history, not just your life, but look at history and see how God has worked in messy situations during slavery, during apartheid, during the Civil War with people on both sides praying to God. Uh, and what can we, can we even imagine the First war, World War in Europe, which really changed the course of, of Europe. Yeah. Uh, still see God working in the midst of it. So that's the concept, and I give a lot of reasons for it in my new book. I don't just throw it out. So it's a book that appeals to people's thinking, we hope also to their emotion, to rethink, uh, including how they evaluate ministries they don't like, ministries they think are all wrong, churches they think don't have it doctrinally straight. Well, I've been looking at that for 60 years. It doesn't seem to hinder God often. No, no. And in fact, some of the greatest works of God have been through men that later on we realize they didn't really have their life totally sorted out. Mm. And some churches I, would have thrown them out. Yep, some names come to mind immediately. What are some of the messes we're in today that maybe we haven't fully you know, withdrawn from Well, I think this right is now. the messiest time I can, I can remember in our history since, since the war, maybe since Vietnam. In what way? Just the political mess, and, and then there's also a greater variety of theological winds blowing around. In missions, we have some of the greatest controversies yet, books written against people who are using a certain style of reaching Muslims. So the mess factor has increased. That's why I'm selling and I'm telling people messiology, it should be required reading because it can really encourage you. It's a book uh, of encouragement and people, I just have people tell me it's completely changed their life hmm. because they were so discouraged. And a lady came up to me here a couple of days ago, I guess I was preaching in New Jersey. She just gave me a big hug Shit, I was just totally depressed. I'm an older person. How can God use me until I saw your film? <laughs> and that just transformed her life. That's why I do everything I can. I use my own, a lot of my own money. I don't have much to give away these films and give away these books because I'm getting the feedback. Uh, hundreds and hundreds of emails and letters of, of the impact being made. The result is more loving, more big-hearted, more forgiving, more relaxed, more God-focused. I mean, these are serious uh, challenges. So you see, rather than, than looking at them as messes, you see them as opportunities for God to work. Yeah, and, and just being real, this is the way the world is. It's always been this way. Since the side Cain, of heaven is always going to be yeah, that way. since huh? Cain killed Abel and yeah. Adam and Eve blew it, and they represented us. So doesn't mean we don't try to be salt and light in the society. It doesn't mean we don't try to make changes. This morning I'll be speaking from the Good Samaritan Seven people laying by the side of the road. It's all about social action concerning AIDS, concerning sex trafficking, concerning the global water crisis. So those of us who believe in messiology, we are just as committed as ever to avoid mess, to unmess the mess. It's grace that can unmess the mess. Yeah. I think that's not an original statement. It seems like one of the divides in missiology today is this social action versus gospel proclamation. Where do you come down on that? Yeah, I mean, OM completely changed 50 years ago. It has to be both. It doesn't mean you try to copy another organization, like, say, World Vision. If you have a distinctive ministry, like a radio ministry, you and it especially if it doesn't involve you know thousands of people like OM, mm -hmm. so that we have just such a variety of things, if you have a more narrow calling. But there are ways that when this becomes a, theolog a theological change in your thinking, that your heart will get into it, 
and it will come out in your broadcast, just as it's coming out right now. Mm -hmm. Do you think this would have come out 15 years ago? I don't think so. No. And so you and I uh, both, and I'm especially still committed to mass evangelism and many other things, and you're involved in radio and I'm sure other things, but we've got this as part of our DNA. We're always thinking about the suffering and the poor. Yeah. And it cannot be and ignored. So we're seeing a right. huge change in the body of Christ. A bigger percentage of missions and really cutting edge movements are embracing this with all of its complexity. But it goes hand in hand with the gospel proclamation. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And it's it, people say it can't be done, but it's different groups and, and individuals have been doing it for years. What about medical missions isn't new. Medical missions is incredibly old and shows a key factor in bringing people example. to Jesus. Yes, right. Yeah. All right, so you're speaking to students at Wheaton College now as we speak, uh, and you've been speaking to college students for generations. Uh, what, anything change in your methodology? Not your message per se, but methodology or, or, or perception of how they're responding to you? Yeah, I mean, I think it's tougher today. We're, we're living in a different world. And kids are on over uh, information overload, pouring even through their telephones. The struggle with pornography this generation is ten times greater than my generation. And then the 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 tremendous financial pressure to live on this this level of living that so many people live on in the United States to get there is getting tougher. And so for people to choose career missions. That, that is going down. Short term is going up. Only God can measure because there's a whole new wave. And Andrew Scott wrote a book about it called Scatter. Yeah, we've talked about it here. people mm -hmm. are taking their skills and going to a field. Many of those people will never be registered as missionaries, but they're ambassadors of Jesus. Yeah. So you're encouraged by this generation? Yeah, because also it's gone global. So the number of actual missionaries on the field is greater than ever before in the history of the world. We cannot think American. You, you can't count them the way we used to count them. Yeah, and we, we think way too American. We're becoming more tribal as a nation. And, you know, I'm 100% American, but we, we need to think globally. We need to think Jesus. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. And then he gives a story of the Good Samaritan. You'll have to come and listen to me this morning. <laughs> okay, all right, all right. Well, I know now what keeps you going. Um, congratulations uh, for just uh, the life that God has given you and uh, that you're faithfully following him. It's amazing to, to watch you work, George. Well, the best part of the film, by the way, is how I met my wife at movie. Yeah, yeah. 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 So okay. they need to watch that. And marriage is God's PhD program for holiness, and people need to go into it with great commitment. It's not just an emotion and, and an important part of our life as human beings. But I believe it has to be tied together with total radical commitment to the Lord and to his word and to his vision. The late George Verwer, in a first-person conversation from 2017. He died on April 14, 2023, at the age of 84. But his challenge to us to be willing to follow the Lord and whatever he asked us to do remains. Well done, good and faithful servant. We'll put a link to Operation Mobilization in our program notes at firstpersoninterview.com. There's a legacy tribute to him at that website, which you can read. The Far East Broadcasting Company is among those who celebrate the life and ministry of George Verwer. Sharing the same goal of reaching the unreached with the gospel, FEBC is active in 50 countries of the world, creating radio and online programs in local languages. To learn more about this ministry, please visit febc.org. Now, with thanks to my friend and producer, Joe Carlson, I'm Wayne Shepard. Join us again for First Person.